Hello, everybody. This is Parrish Alford with the Daily Journal, and you have tuned in to another edition of Justify Your Existence, where we talk Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and the SEC. I'm joined by Michael Katz, our Ole Miss writer for the Daily Journal, and Theo DeRosa, who covers Mississippi State for the Columbus Commercial Dispatch. Guys, how are you? Doing well. Excited for uh, it's finally it's finally SEC play here. Uh, you know the 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 first few games are nice, but now it's it's really starting to feel serious. Yeah, yeah definitely. Getting into October, I mean, it's going to be nice. It might not be as cool as I might like it, but getting cooler, getting more important, and uh, looking forward to it. Most okay. importantly, it's my birthday month. I, that's what everybody's talking about. That's what everybody's talking about, man. It's just win, win, win all the way around. Cooler weather. It's not cool enough for Theo, man. What You got to have some snow in the forecast, Theo. Uh, it's, it's a whole lot different than uh, those uh, those August days, those early September days uh, of close to 100. So uh, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. I was thinking about getting the fire pit out on the patio uh, this weekend. So we'll see. Uh, it is October and finally an SEC game for Ole Miss. I'll tell you, Michael, I, I liked Ole Miss's schedule in the sense that I think these transfers needed the non-conference games to play together. Uh, turns out Georgia Tech was one of the weaker teams in that four, uh, looks like. I know you, these, these games are scheduled like 75 years in advance. So at the time, I think Georgia Tech was coming off that big win over Cumberland. But uh, in, anyway, it, it's now that you got that schedule behind you and, and it just kind of shifts gears. And I thought Tulsa was the best team Ole Miss had faced to this point. And I was concerned with tackling by the Rebels. When the backup quarterback for Tulsa got in the game there, uh, he was an athletic guy, and, and they buzzed him. They got around him. They just couldn't get him to the ground. Should Ole Miss fans be concerned for that uh, as Will Levis comes to town with Kentucky? I think it's reasonable to be concerned, but – if there's a glass half full way of looking at it, it's that they did get 22 hurries uh, on the quarterback. And and obviously zero sacks is, is concerning, especially if you watch the game, you saw how close they got so many times. And it's just, he eats Braylon Braxton somehow got out of the, out of their reach and uh, made things happen. Um, it's, it's concerning, but I think that, you know, sort of in the way that Kentucky kind of had a weird game against Northern Illinois last week where I think they only ended up winning by seven or eight. Uh, I think it's kind of that time of the season where, where teams, even if they won't say it, like they know the SEC schedule is coming up and they kind of have that game right before where they're just kind of going through the motions. Like Ole Miss gets out to this big lead. No, Tulsa can't stop them. It's 35, 17 and a half and Ole Miss doesn't score another point. And they just kind of seemed like they – I don't know if they took their foot off the gas or if it um, – you know, if, if Tulsa's scheme was that, you know, uh, that mystifying, I, I doubt it was the latter. It just kind of seemed like one of those games where, um, you know, they were just kind of going through the motions. And, and yeah, you never want to have that, like, right before things are about to get serious – uh, but you know, I, I, you know, I imagine, uh, well, I do know that tackling was a big emphasis this week. Uh, of course, I don't think tackling, uh, you know, a sled or, a, a you know, a, a bag is exactly the same as tackling Will Levis, 
who is, you know, 6'3", 232, somewhere around there. He's a big guy. Uh, I do think, though, and I think there is something to be said for um, when the backup quarterback came in, it was a very different look in terms of what they were expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, with Davis Brin, I think they were expecting to play back and keep everything in front of them. And when the when when Braylon Braxton came in, it, it changed things. And I don't know how much you plan for the backup quarterback who's a freshman to come in and do things. So it's, it's not necessarily an excuse, but I do think there is something to be said for it really sort of changing the style of the game. Like with Levis, I think they know what to expect. Will they be you know, will they be able to execute? We'll see. But they're not going to be up like caught off guard by what things look like i do think they were caught a little bit off guard by by what tulsa ended up doing with the backup quarterback yeah and and credit ole miss for finally making some plays uh in the second half and you know and and all of the problem that they had in getting this guy to the ground tulsa still only scored one touchdown you know in that run limited him to a, a couple of of field goals there uh in his time in the game and and then uh you know, the, they started to force some punts there in the fourth quarter. So you, you're right. I do think that the sudden change was uh, something that you need to be considered there. But, man, they just – they got all around this guy, all around him, and just couldn't couldn't seem to get him down. And I think that is a concern going into this Kentucky game with Will, Le- Will Levis and Christopher Rodriguez, okay, who hasn't played this year. So, uh, you know, Kentucky's getting back one of the top running backs in the SEC uh, for this game. Uh, So we'll see. Uh, Big game. I think both of these teams were looking ahead a little bit last week. Uh, They'll never say that. But uh, I think both of them looked at schedules and thought, hey, they got a chance. Got a chance to be 4-0 by the time that game rolls around. Now, the 4-0 for Kentucky does include a nice win at Florida. You know, they have an SEC game under their belt, and that's one that really kind of has helped them rise in the national consciousness a little bit. Theo, Mississippi State, uh, we talk about the change in season and the change in weather, and it's about to get hot for the Bulldogs. Just a brutal October schedule that begins Saturday with Texas A&M. When we go backwards a little bit and look at Mississippi State and what we thought in camp and and how this team – could have a, a really good season and maybe, uh, you know, elevate from last year's seven regular season wins. I think a lot of that uh, depended on the LSU game for some momentum. And I think they left one on the table there. And now they've got an October with Texas A&M, Arkansas, Kentucky, Alabama. Is a a special kind of season for Mississippi State. I'm talking – nine regular season wins, something of of that nature, something that elevates from last year. Is that still within the grasp for this team? I think it is, but I think the margin for error is so much less now with the loss to LSU. You basically have to win the games against A&M, Arkansas, even Kentucky, maybe chalk up losses to Georgia and Alabama, and then you have to win the Egg Bowl if you want just nine regular season wins. But again, that'll start this week. If they don't beat AM, I mean, you're maybe looking at six, maybe seven wins, and that's not an improvement record-wise, at least, on last year's season. And if that's the case, I mean, that's going to be cause for concern for the fans, for sure. Mississippi State might have a better team, but the tougher schedule will make it appear 
that, you know, it was the same old team as last year. And that's not what they were hoping to see in a year with so many guys back and all the progress they hoped for. No, I think they have maintained an upward trajectory under Mike Leach until this point. I know they had a nice win against Bowling Green last week, but when you leave one on the table the way I think they did in Baton Rouge, nothing really scratches that itch until you get an SEC win. And this is the first opportunity for State since that time. What uh, – what can you take away from the Bowling Green game that, that helps them? Were they able to create any momentum or is it just, just blah because that was a non-conference game? Yeah, it's hard to judge against a team like Bowling Green when it's so far removed from the quality of teams they're going to be playing week in and week out here. But I think, I mean, they looked as reasonably as good as you could expect. Two touchdowns in four minutes. They did what you're supposed to do against a team like Bowling Green. I mean, they won by 31 points against an FBS team. That's never a bad thing. I think, you know, I don't know how much you can take that and say, okay, they're going to do that to AM on Saturday. But it certainly, you couldn't really have drawn up that much of a better performance. The only concern for me, the offensive line struggled. Left tackle, Quatrivis Dollabill Johnson was hurt. And Mike Leach, of course, you know, saying sarcastically in the post-game press conference, oh, he's superhuman, he'll be great. We don't think so. I mean, he was on crutches. We'll see if he plays, but that's going to be a hit to an O-line that did kind of struggle against LSU and even against Bowling Green. So that's something to watch for this week. Yeah, it is something to watch. And, and you know, uh, both of the coaches, uh, the SEC coaches here in Mississippi, they man, they guard that injury information. Don't want to talk about injuries uh, at all. And, you know, you can you can choose not to talk about injuries, and that's fine. But when, when you don't have information, you have speculation because there's going to be conversation. You know, people are going to talk, and, and so there is speculation. And so the idea of, uh, of Dollar Bill being out there at left tackle, um, yeah, that changes that line because, it, one, it makes it, uh, makes it thinner. Uh, two, I, I thought he had a pretty good camp. And, and where that uh, line had struggled, I know they kind of – LSU kind of overloaded that side and came from that direction a little bit, but I thought he had played pretty well to this point. What do you think? I think he had. I remember Leach talking him up in fall camp. I think, you know, he's one of the more solid O-linemen overall. Besides him, I think, you know, the Quinston Sharp at center is definitely the best lineman on the team. But I think that's a big loss if he's out for this week or multiple weeks. And it'll be interesting to see. It sounds like they might move Nick Jones from left guard to left tackle and bring in Stephen Lasoya at left guard. Uh, we'll see what it ends up looking like if Johnson is out. But yeah, he had been doing well in camp, even at the new position, and losing him is definitely a blow. Well, speaking of offensive line play, Michael, Kentucky's seemed to have a few uh, cracks and crevices there uh, against Northern Illinois. So we talked about uh, tackling concerns for Ole Miss. What matchups favor Ole Miss uh, in this game? I mean, can Kentucky's getting back Christopher Rodriguez, uh, you know, a, a power guy at 5'11", 225, you know he'll be difficult to tackle, but uh, uh, does does Ole Miss have a, a an edge here in this matchup against Kentucky's offensive line? I mean, can can they stonewall uh, Chris Rodriguez? Yeah, so I mean the stats uh, on on Kentucky's offensive line is 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 pretty bad. Uh, they've given up 16 sacks already. Uh, for reference, Levis got sacked 25 times all of last year. 
Um, he ran for like 300 something yards last year. He's got negatives right now uh, running the ball. I know Chris Rodriguez is a very is a better back than what they've had the first four games, but they're averaging 82 yards per game on the ground. The offensive line has been very, very bad for Kentucky. And I think if there is something that has been, I don't know if I'd say a surprising strength, but something that's been really solid is that old Miss defensive line. And not because of necessarily anybody that puts up eye popping numbers, because it's really deep and they can rotate a lot of bodies and keep guys fresh. Um, now, big thing is going to be JJ Pegues. Uh, he did leave the game early um, uh, against Tulsa. Um, of course, you know, as, as you alluded to, we don't exactly know what that means for him uh, this week. Uh, you know, the answer is always, you know, we're hope we hope he's going to play. <laughs> we'll see. Um, he's been playing really, really well. And he's the sort of athletic defensive lineman that they really are going to need in SEC play. Um, a guy who can rush the passer and also fill gaps. Um, but Jared Ivey's been playing well. Tavius Robinson has been playing well. Taiwan Malone has been seeing a lot of run and playing really, really well in that kind of, in that rotation. Um, I, I think it's, it's, if, if there's one thing that Ole Miss is really good at, except for last week, and that's of course the big butt here. Uh, it's been putting pressure on the quarterback. I mean, they're still among the top in the top 15 or 20 in sacks per game, and that is partially defensive line, partially blitz packages and whatnot. It, it's being aggressive. And uh, I, I think that they're going to be more successful in putting in getting successful pressures on on Levis this week. Uh, I, I think if, if you can if you can shut down that running game as it has been shut down, this year and you force Levis to, to drop back and you don't fall for the play action. I think they're going to be able to pin their ears back a lot and, and get pressure. Um, this is a, I, I know we think about Kentucky is the big physical uh, really sound, but this is a, a slightly different uh, offense this year for Kentucky um, because they lost so many good linemen last year. I think it was three starters. They lost a, an all American and Darian Kennard who was uh, drafted by the chiefs. It's a very different looking line and just not, it just hasn't gelled quite yet. So I think, and maybe it gels later, but if there's a, if there's a time for Ole Miss to play Kentucky, it's probably right now um, because that offensive line has not figured it out. Do you have any kind of a feel on whether Pegues plays or not? Uh, what, what do you think? I mean, I, I would imagine so. I, I'm always of the, of the mindset that, um, and this is probably very stupid of me, but like if I see somebody able to walk, I think they're going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like I think we saw Pegues kind of jog the, um, uh, to the locker room during the game, and then he kind of came back out. We thought he went to the bathroom. Um, that was <laughs> what we all thought. Uh, but, uh, you know, you didn't go back in the game. I think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, if if Tulsa had been an SEC game, you know, maybe he maybe he goes back in. But it, it's hard to say. And, you know, the other guy who goes in that category is, is Kari Coleman, who, who did not play um, against Tulsa. And he is, you know, he came, he really burst on the scene in that Troy game and was just all over the place. And, he, and he's been really good since. Still leads Ole Miss in, in sacks and tackles for loss, I believe. Uh, he got I believe it was against Georgia Tech where he left a little bit early and, and he has not played since. Uh, him coming back is going to be huge too because he's a big part of that pass rush and, and just stabilizing that linebacker core. But uh, it, it, it's always hard to kind of say uh, who's going to play. But if if I think if there's any chance, I think they're going to give it a go because I think everybody realizes how big this game is. 
I know Lane hopes that they play because that's that every time. Well, I hope he plays. <laughs> hope, hope everybody plays every game all the time. So that that's good. Theo, how good is Texas A and M? I mean, they they've won twice since that uh, uh, that stunning loss at home to Appalachian State. Uh, the, the the Miami win for A and M looked good the next week, and, and then Middle Tennessee goes to Miami and wins by a couple of touchdowns. Uh, A&M, you know, for whatever problems they've had at quarterback or whatnot, they've played pretty good defense. They beat Arkansas, okay? They beat Arkansas, which was a 10th-ranked team at the time. Uh, high expectations, was was playing well. well. What do you make of the Aggies right now? Yeah, it's hard to grasp because there's such a big gap between their offense and their defense right now. Their defense is, I think, you know, top 20 nationally. Their offense is not maybe 100, 105th, something like that. It's really hard to tell, you know, how this balance out. Obviously, worked out pretty well against Miami and Arkansas, not so well against Appalachian State. I think they're a good team, of course. I mean, you don't get to be three and one, you know, top 25 without that. However, I think, you know, the secondary being one of their strengths is good for them against a team like Mississippi State. But I don't know if even a good secondary is enough to stop an air raid scheme that kind of has success to matter the opponent pretty much. I think it'll come down to whether they can get pressure on Will Rogers, which is what LSU did to great effect. If they can do that, I think they have a chance to win. If not, I think, you know, you could see Mississippi State getting out early. I think if State can do that, they have a pretty good chance of winning, if not blowing out an A&M team that might struggle to score. How effective can Mike Leach and Will Rogers be with the quick game? Can they offset that pressure? Because you know it's coming. Uh, you've got a, a transitioning Mississippi State offensive line. Uh, even at full strength, we saw LSU uh, get pressure and really change the game with that pressure. Can the Bulldogs offset this with the quick game? They, they did to a degree at LSU. You know, there were, there were stretches in that game where Rodgers getting it out of his hand fast was uh, was was effective. One of those resulted in a touchdown. Um, what what do you think? How does that does that favor Mississippi State here? I think it does. I mean, that's always what their offense is predicated on: trying to get the ball out quickly. You saw, you know, it didn't always work against LSU, which is why I have some concerns. But I think AM knows that that's what they do, and I think also if they can offset it with the run. Dylan Johnson's averaging six and a half yards per game this year. AM's run defense has been kind of suspect. I think if they can, you know, mix the run in there, kind of catch AM off guard, that's another way to find success on offense. As far as the passing game, though, few teams really do slow down the air raid. Of course, AM has a good secondary, but I think State will still find a way to move the ball on offense and be effective there. And I think State will win, but it might be kind of a close game and might be kind of low scoring. Yeah. Did, did I hear you say 200 rushing yards for the Bulldogs this week? Is that, is that what I heard? No, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Leach, I don't think he's had a 100-yard rusher since ever, maybe, under at Mississippi State at least. I think State's last one was Kylan Hill in 2019 in the Egg Bowl. So it's been a few years and probably not changing this week. We'll see if Woody Marks even plays. But Johnson's been really good, and uh, I think they have – the infrastructure, if they ran it 40 times a game, they might rack up 200 yards. Doubt that's ever going to happen under Leach. I thought this game last year was probably the biggest win uh, for Mike Leach at State at that time. I, I know the LSU game uh, in his first 
game there in 2020 was, was impressive and LSU coming off uh, the 2019 national championship. And, but what that 2020 LSU team became uh, and then, you know, state going out to college station, winning against a ranked team in that environment, I thought that kind of launched Mississippi state last year. They had some big wins after that went on to win like three of their next four. Uh, of course they got handled by Alabama in that stretch, but you know, you had the, the Auburn game. Uh, they played so well. Kentucky at home almost beat to Arkansas in that stretch. And all of this, I thought, kind of got a jump start by winning at Texas A&M. Are there things the Bulldogs can take from last year's game there? Will Rogers was so good in, in that game. Is, is there something there that maybe gives them a little uh, advantage here? I think, you know, just knowing you can beat this team on the road, you can certainly beat them at home. Being able to have that home field advantage in the SEC is always good. It'll be a 3 p.m. game, so not quite like the 11 a.m. start where fans might still be filing in. I think you'll see the biggest crowd of the season for sure, given that the rain delay kind of chased everyone out of the stadium against Memphis, and this is only the third home game. So I think just having that home field advantage and knowing this is a team you won at on the road, now they're coming in here to your place. I think that will have more of an effect than you might think. Yeah, I was kind of sad that I couldn't leave that Memphis game early during that two-hour delay there. It's one of the occupational hazards is, is we all have to stay to the end. Uh, Michael, talk to me about Michael Trigg. Uh, I'm surprised that I haven't seen more of an impact from him, but if you're not throwing the ball, it's hard to, uh, to have a big impact. And I heard uh, Lane Kiffin bring up his name this week, almost like a – uh, a phone call, like uh, a pep talk. Hey, man, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get you involved kind of thing. Uh, do you think this is a game where maybe they they break out with uh, Michael Trigg a little bit? I mean, I don't think this is a game they're going to win running at 77% of the time like they did against Georgia Tech. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I there is a part of me that, that one, it, it's obviously things – I think are a little bit different now that Jackson is officially the starter, which I mean, we all knew, uh, or I think most of us uh, assumed was going to happen, but now it's official. Um, so now they, I think they have that sort of settled. I think things might change, but two, uh, there's a part of me that also thinks that, you know, maybe they've been playing things a little bit, you know, maybe not showing, you know, everything they have in these first four games in terms of the passing concepts and uh, you know, things that they're going to want to do, in the meat of their schedule. Uh, you know, Trigg had, I think it was the central Arkansas games where he caught three touchdowns and we haven't heard a ton from him since. Uh, like you said, you know, when you're not throwing a ton, um, that's going to happen. Uh, you know, Mingo has really been kind of the, the beneficiary of, 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 of most of, of this passing game uh, recently. And he's looked really good, but uh, I'd have to imagine that, now that it's SEC play, I, th I think the passing game is, is going to take on a, a different look in terms of what we see concept wise. And I would not be surprised at all if Trigg starts to really get involved because, you know, there's a part of me that's thinking like, why would you show all the things you're going to do with him against Georgia Tech and Tulsa and Central Arkansas and, and those sorts of things? Uh, yeah, man, is he going to go for 100 yards and three touchdowns this weekend? I, you know, I don't know. But I think we're going to start to see uh, him get more involved. And I think some of these other receivers that, uh, you know, the, uh, these transfer guys who we haven't seen a ton from yet, 
you know, Jalen Robinson did not play last week. He was suited up, I believe. Um, we'll see if he comes back. But he's a guy who, you know, we know they were counting on to be kind of the big play guy down the field. Jordan Watkins hasn't done a ton. Uh, Trig, you know, he had a, a, some moments. Uh, Malik Heath is, has done some nice things, uh, not stretching the field, but sort of some shorter stuff. Uh, I think this is when we're really going to kind of start to see it gel and, and we might see a, a different looking passing game. Do you think Dart can stretch the field? Can he stretch it with consistency and accuracy? I, I think we've seen uh, some moments from him so far, but, but again, and, and part of this might just be not trying, not trying, but uh, that they haven't been as consistent there with the deep ball as they've been in recent seasons. It's uh, I, if I remember, I think it was in the first game, he, he overthrew one. And I remember thinking, man, like in a couple of weeks, I think that's going to be one that is caught. And I think we're sort of seeing it kind of start to come together. Those deep shots are, 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 are getting, they're getting closer and they're getting better. And I think as Ole Miss runs the ball and, and play actions off of it, I think that's when those shots are going to come. Not that they've established the running game is so good. Um, I, th- I think those shots are going to be there. Um, I, I really, and I, Elaine has alluded to it, just how much better Jackson has gotten from like game one to, you know, last week and how he's improved more there than he did, you know, in the months before there. Um, and I've, you know, I, I think the, 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 the fear with, with Dart was, you know, making the big mistake and, you know, he made that mistake against Georgia tech and then he came back and played really, really well. And he didn't make the mistake last week. And so I think it's sort of that balance of like not making the, the fatal error, but also staying aggressive. And I think they're kind of getting there. Um, I, I, I do think he's a pretty good deep passer, um, you know, and that may be partly for me watching him at SC last year um, in that in that offense. Um, and like you said, like they haven't done a ton of it yet this year. It's like a few shots here and there. But I mean, I've seen him throw some balls down the field uh, when he was at SC and it's it's a pretty thing. And I think we're going to start to see that um, probably starting this weekend. Well, I think there are weapons in the Ole Miss passing game that we just haven't seen yet, and and maybe uh, maybe you're right. Maybe it's only been about uh, trying not to show too much. Theo, you, you touched on fan support for this team a, a little bit uh, earlier, and and now we've got a, a great weather day and and uh, you know an, an afternoon game. Um, what do you what is the the vibe? of the fan base right now, what do, is there a great confidence level from fans toward their Mississippi state team right now, or is there still some lingering disappointment from the LSU game? There's definitely, definitely lingering disappointment from what I can tell. I think it kind of all hinges on this game. Like I mentioned earlier, lose this game and you're probably headed for six and six again, seven and five, if you can get someone late wins later on. But win it and you're right back in the eight and four, maybe nine win conversation. I think it is interesting because I think that LSU game having that lead and blowing it like that, like you said, nothing scratches that itch until you win another SEC game. And I think the fans need to see that too before they're right back on the bandwagon with this team. That being said, I still think they're confident that State is a good team and that they'll beat AM. I don't know if I'm that confident, but I think they will pull it out at home. 
And it's just, you know, I, I, that's one of the enjoyable things about college football, man. The games matter. You know, the, the, a, a week uh, early season game in Baton Rouge, it matters right now. And, and one game can just change so much about uh, how a team is perceived, how we feel about these teams, what we think about a season. Hey, you, you're, you're going to hear the Mike Leach response of, hey, you pay, play 12 games and you look back and see where everything is. Well, that – that's not how most people view college football. And I think you're right. If they do not win this game, and I think they are perfectly capable, but if they don't win this game, I think there's risk that the season goes off the rails, at least from the expectations that were in place a month ago. And, and reasonable expectations. I think from, from what we were seeing with the ability of this team and the experience uh, I think they should have won in Baton Rouge, but they didn't. So now they have to deal with that, and, and it puts more pressure on this game. So uh, a special season, something different, a lot of that hinges on what happens Saturday in Starkville for Mississippi State against Texas A&M. Uh, Michael, uh, wrap us up here, man. Uh, you're going to be on fine bomb. I wouldn't tomorrow on Friday. Is that right? You and, and Nick Suss from the Clarion ledger. What's going yes, on? It is. It is fine bomb Friday, which is, is apparently a thing. Uh, yeah, they're, they're going to, they're, they're putting me back on TV and I still don't know why. Well, you had a name for this crossfire or something. I mean, what's yeah. What's, yes. What's yeah. So uh, I believe it's going to be uh, Nick Suss and I on at the same time with Paul and we're going to be hanging out in the Grove and, just chatting Rebels uh, football. I believe it's at 4 p.m. tomorrow. So if, if you want to if you want to watch or listen, if you want to come heckle, that works too. Hold some signs up behind us. Uh, the more support, the better. Even if it's even if it's good or bad. You know what? Uh, when game day was uh, at Ole Miss for that Alabama game in uh, 2014, somebody held up a sign with my name on it in reference to the Crocs that I wear or something like that. It was. My, you know, I, I kind of thought that was cool. My children were horrified. But uh, anyway, that's uh, that's the way that goes. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we talk Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and the SEC. For Michael Katz and Theo DeRosa, I am Parrish Alford. Thanks for being with us. <laughs>